Good morning, church family. I pray that you are all well, as today we will begin the final chapter in the epistle of 1 John, as we will be studying our way through 1 John chapter 5, verses 1 through 5 this morning. Now leading up to chapter 5, the apostle John's focus revolved heavily around what he wrote in 1 John chapter 4, verse 8, that God is love meaning that God and God alone defines love, for it is the very character, the very essence, and the very nature of our God to love. And thus, since God loved us, and since God now abides in us as Christians, because, verse 13, he has given us of his spirit, we then, as Christians, are going to be noticeably distinct from the world. For we are now, verse 15, going to confess that Jesus is the Son of God, And verse 16, abide in the love of God. Or to put it another way, we as Christians are now going to naturally hold to and believe in and confess the biblical doctrines concerning Jesus Christ and love God and love his people. And as the Apostle John goes on to share with his Christian readers that when the love of God is expressed and displayed and exhibited in their lives as the children of God, as they love one another. That is what the Apostle John calls perfected love. And this perfected love, when it is displayed in the life of the Christian, it should give them, verse 17, confidence concerning the day of judgment. Because as the Christian sees themselves being conformed into the image of Jesus Christ, as the word of God is believed and obeyed, those expressions of love, they should give the Christian a confidence that their faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ is real and genuine and secure, and that they no longer need to fear the punishment that they deserve for their sins because Jesus Christ, he has already paid it. And thus John concludes chapter 4 with, Whoever loves God must also love his brother. Because our love for God and our love for each other, church, they go hand in hand. For they are intertwined, interwoven, and cannot be separated. Thus to truly love God is to truly love his people. Which is proof that one is indeed a child of the Most High God and thus has absolutely no reason to fear the punishment of eternal judgment and wrath. However, as we all know, church, the Apostle John, he is a builder, an amplifier. And thus, not only does John want his Christian readers to know that they have no reason to fear the day of judgment, but as we will see today, John also wants his Christian readers to know that even in the here and now, that they are victorious in Jesus Christ. Because everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. Which takes us to our thesis statement this morning, or what will be the main theme of our sermon this morning, which is this. Those who are born of God, they place their faith in Jesus Christ, they love God and they love his children, and they keep his commandments. Again, our thesis statement this morning is this. Those who are born of God... They place their faith in Jesus Christ. They love God and they love his children and they keep his commandments. Thus at this time, let's open to 1 John chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. 
which can be found on page 1023 in our church Bibles, which are located in the chairs in front of you. Thus, if you do not have a Bible, that is okay. But please let me encourage you to grab one, open it up, and to follow along this morning as we, as a church body, hear the word of God together. Again, we are in 1 John chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. For the Apostle John, he writes... Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, how good your word is. Father, I pray that you give us eyes to see it, ears to hear it this morning, and a heart to receive it. None of your word will pass away, Father. You will keep it. You will use it. Your testimony is good and true and just and perfect. And as those who love you, Father, let us keep your commandments. Help us to see this morning that your commands, they are not a burden. They are our delight as the children of God. For those who are in Jesus Christ... Those who have been born of God, we have overcome the world. Let us not run to the wickedness, the idolatry, the lust of this world, Father, for we have overcome that in Jesus Christ. But let us cling to the commandments that you have given us, for that is where our heart delights. Father, I pray that you give me the words to speak this morning. Lord, let them be bold and confident in you. I pray that I be humble and I speak the truth in love to this dear flock this morning. Help me, Father, I pray that the sermon and these words and this service today, that it is an offering that glorifies you. In Jesus' name, amen. Our first of two points this morning, church, is this. Point number one, those who are born of God... They love God and they love his children and they keep God's commandments. Those who are born of God, they love God and they love his children and they keep God's commandments. Verses 1 through 3. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves who has been born of him. By this we know, the love, by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. Now John opens verse 1 with, Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And the Apostle John is actually going to open and close this first section in chapter 5 by focusing on the children of God's belief in Jesus Christ. Therefore, we are going to focus on the Christian's belief or the Christian's faith during the second point of our sermon this morning. 
However, here in point one, we are going to begin by focusing on what else, church? That those who have been born of God, they love God and they love his children. For John writes in verse one, everyone who loves the father loves whoever has been born of him. Now, as we saw last week in 1 John chapter 4, verse 19, the only reason that we can love Christian is because God loved us. For it was God, Ephesians 1, who chose us, Christian, in the Son, in Jesus Christ, before the foundation of the world. For it was in love that God predestined us, Christian, for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. Therefore, it was our God, Christian, our sovereign, eternal, omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent, omnibenevolent God who loved us first. And he manifested his love for us in that he, 1 John 4, sent his son, Jesus Christ, into the world to be the propitiation or the wrath-removing sacrifice for our sins. Also, that we may live eternally through him. And thus, because God loved us, and sent his son to us, and gave his spirit to us, our new desire then, as those born of God, it is to naturally love our God. It is to love him with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, and all of our strength, Mark 12. It is to desire him as a deer pants for stream, Psalm 42. And it is to be satisfied in him, for only in God's presence is there fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore, Psalm 16. Therefore, to realize that the steadfast love of God is better than life, oh, it is to naturally love our God right back for who he is. Is for what he has done and for the life we now have in him. However, John also notes in verse 1 that everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. And thus, Christian, when we become part of the family of God, not only do we naturally desire to love our heavenly Father, but we also naturally desire to love all of the members of God's eternal family. Thus, it doesn't matter if they are from North America or Africa. It doesn't matter if they have blonde hair or black. It doesn't matter if they speak English or Spanish or rich or poor, red, brown, yellow, black, or white. Because if they are in Christ, then they are family, church, and we are to love them with brotherly affection, for we are all one in Christ. Now, how exactly do we know, Christian, that we really do love the children of God? Verse 2, by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. Now, I realize you might be sitting there this morning thinking, wait, did I just hear that correctly? By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. I mean, did John make a mistake here or something? Because surely John means, by this we know that we love God when we love the children of God and keep his commandments, right? And of course, the answer is no. For the word of God is infallible, it is inerrant, and thus John certainly did not make a mistake here. And thus, what exactly does the apostle John mean here when he says, by this we know that we love the children of God? when we love God and obey his commandments? Or how exactly can we as Christians know that we are properly loving the children of God? 
And as John clearly states in verse 2, we as Christians can know that we love the children of God when we love God, when we love his character, and when we love and obey his commandments. Because it is only then, as Daniel Aiken puts it, that our love for, the, for, the love for God guides us in how we love God's children. And if you don't think that is absolutely critical, Christian, that our love for God guides our love for each other, then just look at the world around us. Because when the love of God does not guide our love for others, love, it quickly then becomes nothing more than the acceptance of one's sinful lifestyles, the approval of one's depraved decisions, the encouragement of one's foolish behaviors, and the endorsement of one as they literally run their hell-bound race, to which the Apostle John would quickly cry out, that is not love, because the love that John has in mind here, it isn't fixated on keeping harmony at all costs. It isn't in fact with accepting a person's genuine self, and it is an obsessed with giving someone exactly what they desire in the here and now. Because the kind of love that the Apostle John has in mind here, again as Aiken put it, it, ha- it has, has man's greatest need in mind here. For it has the salvation and the well-being of man's soul in mind here. And thus to know that we are truly loving others in a Christ-like way, it is to let our Our love for God, our love for his character, and our love for his commandments guide us in how we love each other. For that is a mark of those who have truly been born of God. For it is their love for their heavenly father that guides them in their love for their brother. However, church, those who are born of God, not only do they love God and love the children of God, but they are also obedient to the commandments of God. Verse 3. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. Church, Mark Twain wrote about a sanctimonious man that he met in Boston during his many travels. And the man boasted that no one could get in his way once he determined that he was going to do something. Thus he shared with Twain... That before I die, I'm going to make a pilgrimage to the Holy Land. And I'm going to climb Mount Sinai. And then I'm going to get to the top and I'm going to read the Ten Commandments out loud at the top of my voice to prove how much I love God. Unimpressed as only Twain could be, Twain responded with, I've got a better idea. Why don't you just stay here in Boston and actually keep them? Church, to love God, it is to keep his commandments. Not just think about keeping his commandments. Not just say that you are going to keep his commandments. Not just read about other Christians keeping his commandments, but for you yourself to keep God's commandments. Now, will you ever, brother Christian, sister Christian, be able to perfectly keep God's commandments? No, of course not. And you know that. However, what John has in mind here, as Douglas O'Donnell explains, is that those who are born of God, they naturally keep the commandments of God characteristically, in that it is now the pattern of their life to keep the commandments of God. Now, I know some of you might be sitting there this morning thinking, for the pattern of my life to consistently be in obedience to the commandments of God, 
man, that is going to be hard. Because it is hard to follow the commandments of God when the company you work for wants you to promote gay pride on your email signature. And it's hard to follow the commandments of God when all your friends want to do is drink too much. And it is hard to follow the commandments of God when you've got to take a stand and confront someone who you love, who is walking in unrepentant sin, and tell them that you are not going to walk with them in that direction. For at times, it can be really hard to keep the commandments of God. And to which I would say, brother Christian, sister Christian, I hear you. And yes, at times, keeping the commandments of God can be really hard. However, make no mistake this morning, Christian. For although the commandments of God can be hard to keep, they are not, verse 3, burdensome. For they are not oppressive or heavy-handed or grave. For the commandments of God, they are delightful and compassionate and pleasing. They are beautiful and life-giving and good. For they are lovely and satisfying and peace. For they are, Christian, the very will of God for our lives. And it is for that reason that the psalmist could cry out, Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day, Psalm 119. And how is this possible? You might be wondering that the psalmist could love the law of God and not see his commandments as even a little burdensome or oppressive or harsh. And it is because God, he has given us a new heart, Christian, for a new spirit he has put within you. For he has removed the heart of stone from your flesh and given you a heart of flesh. Thus, because you have now been born of God, Christian, it is no longer a burden for you to follow the commandments of God. But it's instead now our joyful delight. Therefore, if you want joy and peace and satisfaction this morning, Christian, then do not just say, that you are going to keep the commandments of God. But go and actually keep the commandments of God. For blessed are those, contented are those, blissful are those who walk in his ways. For that is a mark, church, of those who have truly been born of God. For they reject the ways of the world and they now delight in keeping the commandments of God. Which takes us to point number two. Those who are born of God believe that Jesus is the Son of God and overcome the world. Those who are born of God believe that Jesus is the Son of God and overcome the world. Verses 4 and 5. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is? is the Son of God. So Faith Bible Fellowship Church, we are currently living in a world where we wrestle against the rulers and against the authorities and against the cosmic powers that are over this present darkness, Ephesians chapter 6, where our adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour, 1 Peter 5 where we are being tempted by the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life, 1 John 3, and where false teachers and false prophets and antichrists seek to deceive us and mislead us and bamboozle us, 1 John 4. 
For that is the world in which we live, church. A world that seeks to warp our minds, corrupt our hearts, and ultimately destroy our souls. And thus the only way we can overcome the wicked ways of this world and flee from its appalling attractions, reject its foul fashions, and condemn its sinful and seductive ways is not by following our heart. It is not by being our authentic self, and it is not by claiming that we were born this way. Because in order in order to overcome the evils of this world, church, you must be born again, for you need to be born of God. For these are Jesus' words to a man named Nicodemus in John chapter 3. John writes, Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these things that you do unless God is with them. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. For that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. You see, church, to be born again, to be born of God, it is for God to literally impart divine life onto those dead in their sin. And when this divine life is imparted onto the individual, oh, they naturally respond, verse 4, in faith. For who is it, church, verse 5, that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? And the answer to that question is no one. Nobody, not a single soul, can ever overcome this seductive and evil and alluring world unless they are first born of God and have placed their faith in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. For it is only through faith in Jesus Christ that we can have victory and overcome the world. Now, how exactly is this possible? For the Christian to be victorious in Jesus Christ over the sinful ways of the world? Dr. Alistair Brown illustrated it this way. For he wrote, I would often walk through the park near my house and pass by the same massive oak tree each day. However, on one day, on the oak tree, I noticed that a vine had begun to grow up and around the tree's trunk. Now, the vine started small, but over the years, the vine got taller and taller. Thus, in just a couple years, the entire lower half of the tree was covered by the vine's creepers. And the mass of the tiny feelers was so thick that the tree looked as though it had countless birds' nests all over it. So now the tree was in danger. Because the huge solid oak tree was being taken over and the life of the tree was being squeezed out of it. However, the gardeners in the park had seen the danger. And thus they took a saw and severed the trunk of the vine. Now the tangled mass of the vine's branches still clung to the tree. But the vine was now dead. And that would gradually become obvious as the weeks passed. Because the creepers began to die and fall away from the tree. Church, how easy it is for sin which begins so small to grow until it has a strangling grip on our lives. 
And yet Christ's death has cut the power of sin. Yes, the creepers of sin can still cling and have some effect on us. But sin's power is severed by Jesus Christ. And gradually, sin's grip dries up and falls away. Jesus said this to his disciples. I have said these things to you so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Please understand, church, the God of this depraved world, he has been defeated by Jesus Christ. The prince of the power of the air, he has lost. The wicked serpent of old, Jesus Christ, he has crushed that old serpent's head. And thus, because we have been born of God, church, and have now placed our faith in Jesus Christ as the Savior of the world and as the only true Son of God, we now are no longer dominated or enslaved or controlled by sin, for we are now alive in Jesus Christ. And by the mercies of of God, presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is our spiritual worship. Thus, rest in the fact, Christian, that the God of the universe, that he is faithful, for he has established you in the faith and will guard you against the evil one, so that you can, in the here and now, overcome the daily traps and temptations of this world, remain steadfast in God's commandments, and at the end of the age, be raised with Jesus. Jesus Christ to endless life. Thus, thanks be to God who gives us victory over the world through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, as we close this morning, I will begin with the non-Christian who is here first. A non-Christian, as I just shared with you, only those who are born of God and who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ will overcome the world. Now, I realize that some of you might be sitting there this morning thinking, well, that's good and all for you Christians to overcome the world and to delight in keeping the commandments of God. But I don't want to. I mean, I think the commandments of God are outdated and archaic, and quite frankly, I enjoy my so-called sins, and I simply do not want to give them up. And if that is you this morning, non-Christian... This is what the Apostle John wrote back in chapter 2. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. You see, non-Christian, all the evil... All the sins, all the temporal pleasures that you love in the here and now, they are all going to burn, for they are all going to pass away. And as for those who do not overcome the world, as for those who do not have faith in Jesus Christ and who have not been born of God, as for those like you, non-Christian, who love the world and the works of sexual immorality and impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgy, and things like thee, Paul writes to the church in Galatia, I warn you as I warn you before that those who do such things, they will not inherit the kingdom of God. Thus, non-Christian, those who have not been born of God and who have not placed their faith in Jesus Christ, they will not, under any circumstance, inherit the kingdom of God. 
However, as you did here today, non-Christian, there is a way to overcome the world. There is still a way to be victorious over the evils of this world. And that way is by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world and the only begotten Son of God. For Jesus Christ, non-Christian, literally came into this world as truly God and as truly man and was born among us, tempted in every respect just as we are, yet without sin. For Jesus Christ lived the life that we could not live, non-Christian. For the life of Jesus Christ was sinless and righteous and completely obedient to all of the commandments of God. And thus he, Jesus Christ, perfectly fulfilled the law of God for the children of God. However, the work of Jesus Christ, non-Christian, it did not stop there. For Jesus Christ also willingly took our sins upon himself and was nailed to a tree on our behalf. For Christ was crucified, crushed on a cross at Calvary, and died a sinner's death as our very substitute. The sinless Son of God willingly giving up his perfect life for that of sinners. However, being that Jesus is the Christ, and being that Jesus is God, and being that Jesus Christ never sinned, sin and death, they couldn't keep Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and the Savior of the world dead, for they had no power over him. Thus, three days later, Jesus Christ, he rose from the dead, and defeated sin, and destroyed death once and for all, and now offers eternal life to all who place their trust in him. Thus, non-Christian, let today Today be the day that you turn from your sin. Let today be the day that you repent of your sin and you place your trust in Jesus Christ and in Christ alone as the only one who can forgive you of your sin, as the only one who paid the price for your sin, who died for your sin and can clothe you in his perfect life and reconcile you back to God forever. And today will be the day, non-Christian, that you overcome the world. Today will be the day that you stand victorious in Jesus Christ. For in Jesus Christ and in Christ alone, non-Christian, we are conquerors, given the means to turn from the traps of hell, discern the lies of the evil one, and desire to walk in the ways of our God. Thus, let today be the day, non-Christian, that you place your trust in Christ. And today will be the day that you overcome the world. And to the Christian who is here today, brother Christian, sister Christian, I realize that the Apostle John's train of thought today in verses 1 through 5 wasn't the easiest to follow because so much of what he talks about, it all relates to and intertwines with each other. However, at the core of what the Apostle John was saying today is this, that those who are born of God... They believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. They love God and they love the children of God. And they do not follow in the ways of the world. But they have overcome the world and are instead obedient to the commandments of God. However, I want to close this morning by focusing on 1 John chapter 5, verse 3. Where the Apostle John writes, For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. 
Now, brother Christian, sister Christian, we are living at a time where many individuals are making adjustments to their religion or to their beliefs or to their morality, if you will, based on the trends of the world around them. I read a story this week about a fishing village located on the coast of England where the people there were devout and wise to the word of God. However, one year they were becoming very poor, for the winds that year were contrary to years past, and for an entire week they were unable to go fishing and to make their profits. However, finally, on the Lord's Day, the wind changed, and some of the men, with only their riches and their profits in mind, decided to head down to the beach. Now many in the village looked at them sadly, saying, You cannot fish today, for it is the Lord's Day. To which the men replied, Well, we wouldn't, but we need to make our money back. But if, cried another devout fisherman, surely, neighbors, do not let your buts and your ifs lead you away from God. For mine is a religion for all weather, fair wind or foul. Yes, we are poor, but better to be poor and to have God's smiles than to be rich and profitable and to have his frown. For I have never known any good that comes from a religion that changes with the wind. Faith Bible Fellowship Church, do we have a religion that changes with the wind? Do we have a God who needs to change in order to be relevant to this secular society? Do we have commandments that need to change in order to keep pace with our postmodern world? Or do we have a religion, church, in which the gates of hell will not prevail against Do we have a God, church, who is immutable, unchangeable, and who is faithful to his children until the very end? And do we have commandments, church, that are good and right and true? Church, make no mistake, if you have truly been born of God, it is not a burden for you to flee from sexual immorality. It is not a burden for you to stop bowing to the idols of this world, to stop watching junk on TV, and to give cheerfully to the Lord. And it is most certainly not a burden for the Christian to love each other, guided by our love for God. And the reason I say that, church, is because those who have truly been born of God, and who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ and overcome the world. It is now their heart's delight to be able to keep the commandments of God in all that they do. Thus, I want to encourage you this morning, church, that in those run-of-the-mill, everyday type moments of your life, those moments when you have the opportunity to either follow the course of this world or to faithfully keep the commandments of God, when you have the opportunity to click on that sexually explicit link on Yahoo, or to close the tab, when you have the opportunity to lie on your taxes or to pay your fair wage, when you have the opportunity to openly follow someone into sin or to take a stand and to say no more, I am telling you, church, it is always, always, always better to take refuge in the Lord than to follow the folly of man. For the commandments of God, Christian, they are not some kind of a drag or pain or burden 
burden that you now have to bear. For the real burden, it was your sin, Christian, that fell from your back and rolled down the hill at Calvary when Jesus Christ died in your place. For that was your burden, and Jesus Christ, he took that burden upon himself. He freed you from the weight of it, also that you could experience the joy of walking in the ways of God. Thus, walk, Christian. Walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. For that is now where you will find peace and satisfaction and delight. For blessed are those who walk in the way of the Lord. Church, it is my prayer that we as a church body, that we take delight in keeping the commandments of God and that we run from the lust and the temptations and the traps of this world and delight only in the testimonies of God. For as the psalmist wrote, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart, and the commandments of the Lord are pure enlightening the eyes. Thus, Father, help us to see that your commandments are just and life-giving and satisfying and certainly not a burden. For the burden was our sin which was nailed to a cross and we bear it no more. For we have been born of God, we have placed our faith in the Son of God and now walk in the victory of Jesus Christ. Thus, walk boldly, Christian. Walk in the manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called because it In those faithful footsteps, church, oh, there is always delight in the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, in our faithful footsteps, in your commandments, there is always delight. Yes, Father, there is a weight There is a temptation. There is a pull that we feel in so many moments of our life to follow the course of this world or to stand firm in the foundation that is Jesus Christ. Lord, we repent this morning. Too often we see your perfect commandments for us as a burden. Fathers, those who have been born of God, they are not a burden. They are our ultimate joy. Father, let us be a church that stands firm in your word. Let us be a church that finds the sense of joy when we get pushed back from this world to stand in you, to love you, and as we love you, to keep your commandments. Lord, we thank you for the encouragement this morning with all the chaos we see around us. It is not delightful, it is not good or fun for the Christian to follow the lust of this world. But instead it is life-giving, satisfying, and our delight to stand in you, God. To you be the glory forever. Amen.